0: starts now. I'm Scott
1: Santucci. I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is for sales enablement leaders looking to elevate their function, expand their sphere of influence, and increase the span of control within their companies. Together, Brian and I have worked on over
2: 100 different kinds of sales enablement initiatives as analysts, consultants, or practitioners. We've learned the hard way, what works, and maybe what's more
1: important, what doesn't. Our focus is on you as a sales enablement leader and orchestrator. As an orchestrator, you need to develop specific characteristics to operate in the blended domain of strategy and tactics, where you do both together well to help your company win. Our goal in the podcast is to help you clarify the measures of success, give you confidence to engage up and down and across the organization, and provide real examples of what it looks like to execute strategy and execute tactics. As always, we start with a centering story. So I'm gonna pass it over to Scott. Scott, what do you have for us?
2: So today's centering story is about a glass
1: of water. Hey, there we go. <laughs> so, well, that's gonna be hard to date. No date exact, on this one. Well,
2: I, it's timeless, right? It's timeless. So uh, water is, uh, <laughs> is timeless with, with regards to humanity's concern. But when you think <laughs> about water, it's, its chemical composition is it's a bunch of molecules. And those molecules um, are bouncing around. And what's interesting about water is that the only substance on Earth that exists in three different states. It's a, it, it exists in a gaseous state, so we breathe it in all the time. It exists in the liquid state, so Jason has a bottle of it right now, uh, so we can deal with the heat down in Miami. Uh, and it also exists in a solid state. And that's really what we're going to zoom into is uh, is that the difference between the the liquid state and the solid state. So, did you know, Brian, that uh, ice actually is considered a mineral?
1: Oh, I did not know that. I might have known that, but I probably forgot it. And yeah. so, what's
2: interesting about that is at uh, at at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, zero degrees for our international listeners something amazing happens is those molecules start stop bouncing around so fast and they go really, really slow and literally stop or freeze. And when they freeze a a lot of things happen. So one thing that happens is that the volume of this, what was a liquid that now is now a solid is 9% larger. So if you, if you've ever frozen a glass of water, uh, in your in your freezer, why does the glass break? It's because it's bigger. The other thing that's interesting about that is at, in, an, in a solid state or a mineral state, it's less dense, so it floats on top of water. So there's a lot of interesting things about it. And what's even more interesting about that is when you just add something as simple as salt to the equation at a certain, you know, at a certain ratio, we're not really here to do a chemistry experiment, but that freezing point can drip down to negative six degrees Fahrenheit. And I didn't do the calculation for our uh, uh, international community. Sorry, I'm American. I n-
1: only know my... You're, you're only international sometimes.
2: Yeah, exactly. So somebody can go calculate it and post that out. But that's a 38 degree difference between a freezing point by just adding salt, uh, salt to the equation. So those are some interesting facts about water. The last point that I want to make before uh, I I get the dreaded question from you here, Brian, is that what's also interesting is when you think about the people who study scientists who study water in its liquid form, they're very different than the people who study water in it's frozen form. So think about glaciers. Glaciers are just ice. They're studied by geologists. They're not studied uh, by any other people. So, and also the, uh, when, um, water gets transformed to water vapor, it's studied by meteorologists. So there's a whole bunch of different dynamics going on here with this uh, simple
1: liquid that we take for granted. I don't know if you know this, Scott, but I think you said the word interesting seven times. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I'd have to ask our listeners how many were interested that much in water or ice. And I do have to ask you though, because I'm I'm really curious about this. So what?
0: So what?
1: So what does this have to do? So what does this have to do with anything, right? Yeah. Well,
2: I, I love this quote uh, from Mark Twain. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And what we're talking about here is that um, let's really think about the difference. So as us as human beings, literally outside, it's one degree if we're in London, or it's to to me in DC, it's 33 degrees. Can we really tell the difference between one degree and zero degrees or one degree or 33 degrees and 32 degrees? Can you tell that difference? None of us can observe that difference or tell that difference, we can't feel it. But it has a major transformative effect of of converting ice from a liquid to a fricking mineral. Think about that. So the reason that, that that's, uh, that's so important for our theme here today is that in this state of change, as we're in this digital world where we're, we have all these different social ca- capabilities, we've got digital capabilities, we've got new ways of rearranging content, we've got uh, different ways to combine different, uh, different capabilities into entirely new things, like look at Uber for example. They don't own a single cab, but yet they're the biggest uh, transportation fleet on on the planet. What's going on here? So the reason that I think water is a great metaphor to talk about our theme here, which is uh, what what makes something valuable in a rapidly changing in a rapidly changing environment, is that uh, we do have something to base against, which is water. It's something that all of us take for granted, but it's the only substance that exists in three different states. That,
1: that, um, that we all can relate to. I love it, makes sense. And uh, you know, we're in a very transformative state and uh, some of us are boiling and some of us might be frozen and locked up and uh, we need to transition states. I love that analogy.
2: And the reason that we're, we're bringing that, and the reason I'm excited for our, our special guests here today is that sometimes uh, going back to that quote, it ain't what we don't know that gets you into trouble. Aka, be curious. Uh, it's what we know for sure that just ain't so. Um, it's not freezing out. It's just cold. <laughs> well, uh, the ice around you will tell you differently. So I'm I'm really excited to introduce uh, Jason and Chad to join our show, and they'll they'll introduce themselves a, a little bit here. Jason um, works with IDC, and he's uh, he's responsible for their Sales Enablement and content uh, and, and contact practice, and Chad is the CEO of Ecosystems. And these two people have mixed their water and salt together, or their you know in our prep we were t- calling it chocolate and peanut butter. They've got some new ingredients together. So I've known um, Jason for quite a bit, bit of time. He was very helpful in helping us launch the Sales Enablement Society. So, Jason, welcome to the show. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit to our audience?
3: Scott, thanks very much. Yeah, uh, name is Jason Cunliffe, uh, Group VP of our Content Marketing uh, Services team at IDC. uh, Responsibility for our sales enablement practice as well. And, um, you know, I am also a a former uh, bag-carrying, quota-carrying sales representative prior to my career at IDC. And uh, one of my, um, you know, personal uh, objectives uh, that I'm constantly trying to solve for is uh, uh, being that icebreaker, if you will, uh, between uh, pun uh, right? Between the, the, the marketing and the, and the sales function, right? Is that sometimes, uh, we, you know, we're we're stuck in the ice uh, up in the uh, the frozen uh, tundra in the Bay of Fundy, if you will. And uh, we we need to we need to see movement between these two functions. So uh, happy to be on the uh, on the show today and uh, have a good uh, good conversation.
2: Excellent. And also joining us is is Chad. So I mentioned Chad. Chad, um, I know I've known Chad mostly by following what he what he posts. Chad's been way out on the vanguard, way 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 out on the vanguard about advocating outcome selling and. Uh, If you've been following on our uh, our podcast, episode 51, we had a deep dive into outcome selling with Bob Apollo. Well, Chad's been advocating this kind of approach for just eons, a a value selling approach. So Chad, welcome to the show. Tell
4: us a little bit more about yourself and your company and what you're doing. Thank you, Scott. Great to be here. Great pleasure. Also, thank you, Brian, and great to have some time with Jason. Chad Quinn, CEO of Ecosystems. Really, our passion and purpose at Ecosystems is to make value clear. And we have a sales excellence platform that does that. To kind of riff a little bit off of Scott's centering story, if you think of that glass of water and you think about value, value is always subjective. It's always in the context or relative to the situation you're in. So having gold, you would say arguably a gold bar has a lot of intrinsic and extrinsic value. But if you're in the desert, a glass of water is much more valuable. And so that's the fun excitement we can have in our discussion is the relativity and the subjectivity around value and how to best convey it to our customers.
2: I was so hoping you were going to go there. The reason I picked a glass <laughs> of water is because of that exact analogy about intrinsic <laughs> versus subjective value. And you, you went for it perfectly. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so excited. This is unrehearsed, by the way. So this is how great our, uh, our, our guests are. So what we're what we're doing is what what I'm really fascinated with is in this state of change. As our listeners have know, we've done more post COVID research than anybody. We've published uh, um, over twenty different podcasts of accessible content. We've had four peak, uh, keynote quality deep 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 dive webinars. We've got another one coming up, uh, and what we're seeing is a lot a lot of change around. And what's what sparked me was there was this announcement, um, maybe a month ago, where uh, ecosystems and IDC announced a partnership. And I want to unpack that. But what I want to first start off with is, let's get to know our, uh, our, our guests a little bit and figure out the origin story of how the heck these two ingredients got, uh, got together. And let's figure, figure out how we mix the, mix the water together, so to speak. So Chad, you've been on the soapbox for a long, long time, as I alluded to earlier about selling to value. What trends are you seeing that that are happening that B2B companies are missing?
4: I think, Scott, let's do it as a visual for our listeners. So let's visualize together that there's a door between you and your customer. And that door represents access into how they see value. Today, regrettably, I think, Sellers are looking through the keyhole, and that's the challenge. They're looking through the keyhole of that door, and only within this very small sliver of what I would call functional value. And we want to work with them to open that door with the customer and look at all the dimensions of value so that they're not having this very narrow lens into what that word means.
2: Awesome. That's great that's very uh illuminating so jason um, can you comment on on that what what are you from an iDC perspective um, what are you seeing in terms of gaps in value and uh, what kind of um, research are you illuminating to highlight that gap? how do we make it better to where b2 b companies can get customers to open that door
3: right, so certainly the buying landscape is changed dramatically right in the past few months um companies reinventing themselves in the context of the next normal Um, many in many cases face uh, an existential threat to survival and i see this every day uh in in calls in terms of uh you know the sales and marketing function the leaders are, are still wrapping their heads around what normal is supposed to look like today right and of course, the, the selling community is, is boxed into the virtual world and have an entirely new value script and buyer landscape that they're dealing with. And, uh, you know, I think these are themes that we've you know, I've been working on personally, but I think, you know, recent events, uh, economic crises and so forth has just really put all of this under the microscope and force factoring it to, um, you know, to be solved for in a, in a more meaningful, full way. So we, uh, you know, at IDC, we've put out some research as well on the five stages to recovery. We've worked with Chad on that as well in terms of helping our own uh, customers figure out how to flatten their own curve and move, you know, through from, you know, cost optimization to business resiliency to targeted investments and through to, you know, what the future future enterprise is supposed to look like. So we've got... um, We've got a lot of talk, uh, a lot of talk uh, to a lot to talk about today in terms of uh, business value and the research that that IDC produces to help solve for those challenges.
2: Got it. So, in other words, the um, the overall economic climate is not unlike changing the temperature uh, around a glass of water. Uh, right. We were accustomed to one maybe a lukewarm environment where the, maybe the molecules were were moving around. Not as fast as the molecules when it's super super hot, um, and um, you know now things are freezing and uh, or maybe they're freezing, maybe they're heating up, but whatever the 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 case is, the the current state or status quo, our current glass of water, it's going to change and it's going to change into something out, and that's that's what both of you guys are
3: observing. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the cost of doing nothing is really high. <laughs>
2: yeah, <I did>. right. <laughs> right. And th- so that's been one of those points where, you know, to quote Rush, um, um, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice, right? Uh, right. Status quo is probably the worst thing that you can do. Yeah. Awesome. So let's go into, this, uh, you know, n- the next thing. So, okay, that was an interesting conversation about value and concepts of value, I'm still trying to figure out okay we've got ecosystems has a software platform to help people do that and IDC I've always known aren't you guys that, the the people that write reports on stuff so Jason <laughs> you're in the content business right so how do how would people go about using IDC content to help with sales isn't that for analyst relations people or marketing people I don't I don't get it well I mean right. I get it, so, but I'm just trying to be like, you know, <laughs> put some um, red meat on the table to get us talking. Good
1: acting. Good acting, Scott. Thank you. That's yeah, that's, that's great.
2: It, thank you, a thespian. I was gonna go there.
3: So so we've you know, we've known for a long time that in the in the content marketing world that uh that you know, salespeople will use pretty much any piece of content at their disposal to carry a conversation forward, right? And um, some of that content uh, is limited in its value to do that. And some of it is, is extremely valuable. And over the years we've found that of course, our, our ROI and business value practice that produces a lot of this custom content uh, fits that, that ladder bill, right? Which is, which is uh, business value studies, ROI studies, but these are things that have traditionally been used for, what we would call marketing purposes. Right. And um, you know, over time we you know, through discussions with our customers and speaking with sales leaders within those organizations, you know, we really keyed in on the fact that, you know, the, all of these engagement activities that, that the marketing function typically tees up, it really has to be aligned and put forth in a way that the sales function can carry forward not only in an intelligent manner, but in a measurable way, right? And so solving for that dynamic mm-hmm. has sort of been the key, you know, solving for that dynamic has really been a key uh, focus of mine for, for, for many years now, because to me that unlocks the whole value of the marketing function where you can tie that back to the impact it's having on sales pipeline and so forth.
2: Got it. So the, my, my reaction to that, and I'm putting words in your mouth. Please feel free to spit out what doesn't fit, Jason. But my my reaction to that is, okay, having myself been in a research business, what we want to do is we want to figure out what do our customers, the end customers care about. And one one thing that I think we can all agree on is a lot of the times the things that customers care about is so different from the agenda of the B2B sales and marketing company that there's a big rift there. So we can do as much research as we want about what customers care about. If the B2B sales and marketing group aren't even aware that that's what's valuable or that's what's on their mind, they're not going to be able to appreciate that content. Is that is that fair?
3: Absolutely. And I mean, I think this is this is the perfect uh, uh, you know setup to the discussion around why IDC and ecosystems has partnered, right? Yeah, and is, so is to address that.
2: And, and so Chad, you've been working, um, on this, um, on this platform for quite some time to advocate and helping, helping businesses set up value, uh, value engineering value groups, uh, that have had a lot of, a lot of great success, but I think you're probably running into a lot of those same kinds of problems of the perception of value is what our products are. Not so much the perception of value is what these adult wallet owners care about, um, Would you care to comment on that? And uh, how does the IDC content of working backwards from what customers care about, how would you put that together in a way that people, salespeople or marketers can connect the dots and make that value come to life? Or as you say, make that value clear.
4: Yeah. Well, let's take that, Scott. Let's take that whole concept of designing from the buyer out, kind of an outside in approach versus an inside out. So if we design from the buyer experience, if we feel in a modern environment that the buyer and their experience and how effortless that is will be a key determinant to our sales success, then we've got to really challenge some notions here of, do you think I would ask every listener in a recent buying experience to just put yourself through that and how you went about educating yourself and getting informed and looking at your options and then ultimately making a selection and feeling good about that selection and implementing it. Probably, as you think about that experience, nowhere in that time did you ever consider yourself, oh, I'm in the marketing phase. I'm a lead right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or I, nobody thought of themselves as, oh, I'm transitioning from a, a lead to a prospect, and I'm talking I'm qualified. <laughs> I'm qualified, ring the bell.
3: I've officially raised my hand. Yeah, right.
4: (laughs) Right, right, right. I've got budget and authority. So the, and I think what that means for us is, and, you know, I could riff and go back to 1887 and John H. Patterson, the CEO of NCR, who was the foundation of sales and the sales function. And back then, National Cash Register, he put together what they called the primer, and the primer was the first sales script that was ever produced. Yep. And that sales script was in four parts. Your approach, lead to the merchant and tell them that you can help them with profits. Then go to your proposition. Why does this cash register mean that you're going to eliminate theft and have more accurate receipts? Then go to a demo, show them the cash register, and then close them. Now, that approach, proposition, demo, and close 133 years later, how much has really changed?
2: No, oh, I love that you bring that up. I, I want us to sort of imagine that. So that's happening. You're literally in Chicago and you're a salesperson and your territory, territory literally is the Montana territory. Literally, it's the territory. It's not the state. And also, who are you selling to? You're literally selling to the Ingalls family, the little house in the prairie. You're selling it to general store people. Think about how far away that economy is versus the economy that we're in today. So I think that's such a great point that you bring up, Chad. Um, So how do these things come together then? So how do you make the, how do we help the the Laura Engels Laura Ingalls' dad, I forget what his name was. <laughs> um, how do you sell to him and say, you need a cash register when that whole mechanical thing has to be so foreign to where we are today, where the information is about things is so prevalent, it's almost too noisy and people want so much less information. How do, how do we rationalize those two together and, and um,
4: how, how do we make that come to life? Right. Well, we got to tell Charles Ingalls that first. Charles, thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, We've got to tell him that things have changed and that this obsession on product-centric value, somehow sales has been ensconced in this comfortable way of selling. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Value has moved on. Value has evolved and the sales function needs to evolve with it. Value now lives in experiences, not products. And so that's why the gap's widening, because we need to pivot to an experience and a buyer experience. And and back to the good question about IDC plus ecosystems, are buyers going to go self-educate online and perhaps get a white paper around a theme that they're interested in from IDC? And as they progressively get more interested in that theme and start to educate some stakeholders internally, they're going to want to move forward and have that be effortless. And so if they start to engage a provider, that provider needs to show up with all of the intelligence that they've educated and have a collaborative value conversation with them in which they can capture and memorialize value. And so the IDC eco relationship is basically trying to create that effortless tie between a buyer educating upfront through some marketing assets and the elegance of that conversation. And as it evolves into sales, that buyer, not having to re-explain their problem statement, that buyer, not having to talk about what are the outcomes I've already discussed digitally somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's basically allowing this experience for them to be effortless between the two functions so that, the content from IDC and all that research and all that market awareness and the inevitable value conversations of why now, why this provider can come together in one integrated platform and be a more uh, simple approach to take forward.
2: So there's a couple words that you said that really resonate with me. My personal experience is that uh, for folks who are removed from the you know, the uh, being on the other side of the desk uh, or the other side of the Zoom now today, uh, don't really appreciate so much. And one of them is, you, you said
4: memorialized value.
2: What, what does that mean, Chad?
4: Yeah, yeah, let's break it down. So basically what it says is that think about, I'm gonna use uh, an example, say all of us go out to lunch and Brian, Chad, Jason, Scott, we all put in our orders. And we'll say we're healthy, so we're all gonna get the Cobb salads. And then, a couple, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, the orders come back and we've got pizza <laughs> and spaghetti and a whole different set of orders. We would never tolerate that as a, an acceptable experience. And yet, every day that happens in business to business sales, where now, to draw out the analogy, think of the order taking as the outcome promises that we are having with our prospects. And when they're not memorialized, when they're not captured, when they're not in a place that we can understand those and convey them or hand them off to customer success, then we come back in, think of now the order being delivered, and and we're having to re-ask our customer, what did you actually want again? I'm sorry. I didn't know. We didn't put it down on our scratch pad. That's what we mean by memorializing, having a way that as you're evolving in your conversations with a prospect and then turning into a customer, that that thread, that golden thread stays with them from the whole pre-sales outcome promise to the whole post-sales outcome delivery.
3: Right. You know, Scott, using the, the, the Charles analogy, uh, uh, what, what, I think of it as putting it into um, radically simple terms, right, is uh, one of the, the, the practice areas that, we, that we've had at IDC is talking to Charles and saying, you know, Charles is going to ask the question, how is this going to help me sell more Cobb salads, right? How oh, my make? God. <laughs> right? The idea of selling
2: Cobb salads in the, eight, right? in the Wild West in right? 1888 is cracking me up.
3: <laughs> right. How am I going to save money? Yep. And, and how am I going to give my customers a better experience? Right? hmm and, and so our response to that at IDC is, is, well, we went out and interviewed 10 folks just like you, right? That, that, and, and we did uh, you know, a series of, of case studies, if you will, in, in simple terms. And we put it all together and we wrote it up into this nice report. Right That validates all this and and you fit into this profile you have the same sort of buying profile as all these other customers did, and um, you know we we're hired to go out and do that and lend some credibility to that store right um, but you know and and so that's the you know that's sort of like the the contribution the research contribution that i d c um, offers to you know to that activity, but then taking that and then moving out of the you know, 19th century and into the 21st century is, is how do you put that into today's technology world and do that at scale, right, in a B2B environment? Yeah, so, um, to, so that's, that's that. really I'm what – Jason, yeah, I want to
2: just do a quick ahead. reaction and then um, you know, connect some dots more. To react to that, uh, I'm going to lead with a quote. So Henry Ford said – a lot of people say why don't you just ask your customers what they want – Henry Ford said, "If I asked my customers what they want, they'd say faster horses." And part of what what I doubt is um, I can, Charles Ingalls isn't isn't um, waking up at night counting the counting the sheep or all the, all uh, all of the miners coming in to try to buy dungarees from them, and, and imagining uh, a cash register. So. How do we connect the dots? Because he's not going to have the vocabulary that um, uh, NCR would want him to have. His vocabulary is going to be completely different and he doesn't even know that he needs uh, a cash register in the first place. Then on top of that, when the first time he sees it, isn't he going to be intimidated by that thing? And how the heck am I going to work that? Is, is, the, is the pain, is the juice really worth the squeeze? Aren't those part of the experience and how does, how does the research that you do, Jason, and the platforms that you provide, Chad, how do we combine all of those to where we're delivering a value-added experience to customers?
3: Right. And that's the third leg of the stool, right? Which was, was the next uh, angle to this is, you know, we talk about uh, sales enablement at IDC around agility customer experience and the third one is innovation right so that's 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 the perfect setup for you need to think about new revenue sources you need to think about new business models um and so forth right and 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 that's sort of the extra extra mile that 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 our research brings to the table is how's this type of solution, this type of experience going to help you innovate and think about new concepts and new business models. Um, Chad, I'll, I'll turn it over to you to to take it on into the ecosystem platform.
4: Sure. So I, I think Scott, your point is that a customer rarely buys what a provider thinks it's selling. Yep. That, that's, that's the main kind of disconnect. And so how do we bring those worlds together? Well, with IDC, we have, with over 300,000 IT buyer surveys that they do a year, we have a really good sense of what we'll call the customer value drivers. What are the things that they care about? And to visualize them, think about those being Lego blocks. So here's all the things that that customer cares about in our value Lego repository, which is what ecosystem has as a platform. So a buyer can come in and say, listen, I care about ease of doing business. I care about my career progression. I care about some economic value in this COVID-19 world. And I have some performance hot buttons that I care about. And they can literally in the ecosystem choose their value Legos, which ones that they want to work on. Now, the power is the provider can come in and then say, all right, here's my capabilities that match to those Legos, and let's snap them on together. And in snapping on the provider capabilities and experience and resources with the customer outcomes, we create this value Lego, that's bringing this world together of what do I as the end customer care about, and how you as a provider can help either accelerate or enable that And snapping those on together to create that value Lego allows us to now have a unification or an alignment on that value to then go execute. And then in the platform, let's just not snap the Lego blocks together, but let's snap them on, agree to be held accountable to them, and then ongoing, let's measure the value delivered so that there's no convenient value amnesia. Like at the point of a renewal, I don't want to hear, I forgot everything. I just want a better price. We can go back into the ecosystem and say, here are our value deposits. Here's the value we've delivered together as a partnership. And that's why it's healthy and should grow going forward.
2: Pair it back what you said. What's interesting, Chad, is you use a lot of the same vocabulary I use. And I, I know that if I'm talking to people who have what I like to call acute productitis, uh, which is a condition of seeing the world only through your product, Uh, And through the silo with which you're responsible for everything that you said, my, their reaction is going to be, that sounds so complicated. What the heck are you talking about? But yet if I'm in the business of actually providing, building economically valuable relationships with other businesses, everything that you said sounds so simple. How do we bridge the gap between if I've got such a cute product titus, that sounds so complicated, you're making it complicated, we need to make things simple.
4: How do we bridge the gap between those two perspectives? Yeah, and, and let's let's also be very empathetic to the seller because their condition of product titus has been just encouraged yeah. with things called ready product marketing. <laughs> and product sales plays, or even just readiness list. in general, sales readiness and like, ready, right, ready right, uh, right, and training on version six point two point one. Let's go out and talk to the customer about version six point two point one. So you got to talk about a, our migration plan, right? And so this is something that is they're they're nurtured in uh, in their own company's environment. So how do you break that that uh, structure? Well, you come back to simple truths. Every seller I've ever met and had the pleasure to work with and honor to work with, because it's a, it's a fantastic profession, really believes in this concept of selling is not helping. Helping is selling Mm -hmm. the real, the real strong ones. And so they want to help. Well, you can't help by leading with a product. You can only help by leading with empathy and understanding on how your customer thinks about their business and what they they need to do to be successful. And you want to have better quality conversations. That starts with putting the product, leaving it in the car, open up the window, let it breathe, go out and talk to your customer about their business, what they're trying to achieve, and align into it, reverse the the discussion. Because two things will happen, one is, you'll find that you're gonna start to talk to higher levels in the organization the more comfortable you can talk around business impact and performance. And two, you're gonna find the quality of these conversations and your relevancy to them become greater as well. So it becomes a very rewarding environment for you to come in with that orientation of their outcomes as opposed to your offering. And then you do need some assistance. That's where we feel like the platform comes in where you don't have to understand all the value Legos, but you can put four or five out there and have a conversation about which ones should be snapped on and which ones shouldn't. And you have a conversation where you're co-creating value with the customer. I think that's the biggest thing we could do as an industry is worry about the prepositional phrases we use. We talk about, giving value to a customer. I think you strike out the word to, it's co-creating value with a customer. And in that with, implicit in that small simple little word is a whole different way of having a conversation which, great, which ultimately gives you greater relevancy and impact to your customer ongoing.
2: So there's a lot there that uh, just really resonates with me. Uh, I will tell you number one is the whole idea of co-creation. Changes so much inside an organization. So let's think about um, what Chad's talking about and the ramifications inside your company for our listeners. So, you probably have people who are responsible, who have uh, professional services responsibilities, or you might have people who are looking at uh, their individual product around the, the training capabilities, and you might have three or four different product combinations. But when you're actually having a conversation about co creating value, does Charles Ingalls really care about which button is the best button or which paper to use in, in the receipt box? Or does he care about uh, how all this is going to help his business? And when you're having a conversation about co-creating value, and I love, uh, Chad, the concept of uh, of Legos, you basically are snapping together a bunch of different things to where you're tailoring. It's not bespoke. That's one of the things that a lot of B2B companies think about when they talk about co-create value, they get really worried that you're talking about uh, custom solutions, but you're not talking about that at all. You're talking about taking the elements that we've got and combining together into value. That's what I heard from, from what
4: you said. Is that fair? It is fair. And, and just, you know, to take that analogy further, a mathematician one time looked at six Lego blocks have over 915 million different permutations, just six Legos. Yep. So you don't have to be bespoke. You can have these building blocks and snap them together, but look at it from the listener standpoint. The very conversation we're having right now is co-creating value. We're coming into this podcast with our own experience and perspective and insight and we're building off of each other's ideas and coming to a different outcome from it, yep. that's co-creating value exactly in, in a very real sense. So that's what we're looking for from this. And sometimes you'll have sellers go, well, you know, I don't know if um, I can have these conversations or I don't feel comfortable. It starts first with the mindset, which yep. is you have to recognize that a customer can't get their outcome without help. There's no outcome that is done singular or in silo. It requires great providers to come in with experience and capabilities and resources and snap into whatever initiative that customer is going forward to. So feel confident in your your discussions that there is a critical dependency on getting that outcome, which you can fill. Now it's just the mapping. Yep. and the alignment and the snapping on that needs to occur. Right. So Jason, and I've that's, got a question,
2: question here for you um, yep. and piggyback on what, what Chad's saying, but I, I'm curious, and maybe this is just me, maybe it's because um, you know, I have a lot of empathy for the type of business that you're in, having been a research director at Forrester. How in the world did you and Chad get connected and what are you guys bringing to market and how are you doing it? you're a research company and a, and, a, and a, 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 platform, uh, platform business. How do these two, how do you mix these two ingredients? How do you co-create value for different people when people expect to buy one thing from IDC and people expect to buy one thing from, uh, ecosystems? Isn't your chocolate and peanut butter. Aren't, aren't we selling a Reese's peanut butter cup? Aren't we selling something different together?
3: Well, in five words, uh, we listened to Charles Ingalls, right? <laughs> um, this was uh, and Chad can speak to this as well as I think this was, you know, uh, goes back Chad, at least a year, where you know we've been doing uh, well, we do a lot of work with a lot of vendors, uh, tech vendors in in around the world, but one in particular said, uh, "Hey, you know, I've got a great relationship here with IDC. You guys are providing me with all kinds of, you know, industry-based, fact-based um, value Lego blocks, right? And uh, I've got somebody who I think you should meet and talk to because, uh, you know, they're providing us the, the whole platform that we snap all these Lego blocks that you guys at IDC have been giving to me, right? Uh, you guys should talk about this. And uh, fast forward uh, a year, year and a half, and, uh, and here we are. So, Chad, what's your side of that story?
4: Very consistent. I, you always know something's healthy when it's designed from the customer. <laughs> this wasn't a, a lab experiment between IDC and ECO to say, what if? This really came from the customer saying, as, as Jason so uh, nicely put it, that, listen, I want simplicity. I'm getting Lego value blocks from IDC and I've got a collaborative platform around value for my sales organization. We need to bring those worlds together because our sellers don't want to have to go to seven systems to go find the right content to have a really good conversation. They can't go through an archeological dig on our intranet site to, to be able to have a productive conversation with an executive They want to go to one place embedded into the CRM to go have value-based conversations that have all the richness of IDC research and frankly the credibility. Lots of sellers need that IDC uh, logo and validation. It's almost the good housekeeping seal of approval on a value claim. And they want to bring that in as a Lego block and then have the customization occur through the collaboration to make it real for that customer and not have to go through six systems to do so and not have to spend back office time trying to figure all that out and be able to have that conversation and the continuity of that conversation over time. So I think Jason framed it well, which is it happened from a progressive joint client seeing this as a need in their organization and bringing us together to to create the partnership.
2: I love that. That's exciting. And uh, some of the things that, that Chad mentioned is about the dot connecting. And if you have a chance or if, 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 if you missed it or attended it, you might recall we did a webinar on routes to value enabling customers to buy. And in that w- webinar, and of course you can download it and, and re-listen to it, we walked through uh, a technique to first model model your customers Map, map all of the different content, or as maybe uh, as Chad would call it, uh, identify your Legos, and then match, uh, create a mechanism to connect those dots. And as simple as that sounds, simple is definitely very, very hard. So you can hear more about what those things are. But really, what, I, what I'm hearing is that this is the, uh, the synthesis of completely different ways. And uh, I'm, I'm going to challenge our listeners. Uh, to give us ideas of how you would talk about this. And I think that's great practice because it helps you practice how you would combine your own ingredients together into new valuable ways for your company. So we're gonna do some closing remarks in the spirit of what Chad mentioned about co-creating value. What's one thing that you took away from this? And I'll I'll get us started to to not put our, our guests on the spot. Here's one thing that really stood out to me. The, the concept of um, how much information we need to organize and make um, empathetic for our buyers is massive. And that if we're able to do that, we can make that whole buying experience way simpler. And I don't mean a little bit simpler. I mean, orders, of, I guess, to your guys's word, radical simplicity. For me, the the, the thing that I'm taking away from this about more work that we need to do is how do we make the idea of an experience concrete? Because inside B2B companies, everybody wants to be really concrete and show me what the deliverables are, but what's actually the deliverable of an experience? So those were my, uh, my reactions of, of, our, of our conversation. Uh, Jason, how about you? What are some, some of your quick reactions and um, what you got out of our conversation here?
3: You know what my big takeaway is? Is this whole concept of working together to, to, to co-create value, yeah. right? Is, is uh, you know, getting on a platform like this, bringing in all of our different perspectives. Now, Chad and I uh, have, you know, have had our all of our one-on-one discussions about the, the value of our um, partnership between uh, IDC and ecosystems, but then bringing in this, this you know, perspective, uh, uh, that that you and Brian bring ar- around. Okay, well, let's let's throw some dirt in the gears here, <laughs> right? And and uh, and point some things out and and, and create some uh, d- analogous analysis, if you will, right? Around what this really means, what it could mean. So to me, that whole the whole concept of uh, bringing in multiple points of view and and creating additional value uh, gets me excited about doing having more of these types of discussions.
2: Awesome. Well, we're
4: definitely going to ask you more. We're going to ask you back for sure. How about you, Chad? I love what you guys are talking about around the orchestrator concept of sales enablement, because I do believe that that is so critical to this co-creation of value that we've discussed. An orchestrator is connecting the dots and helping build upon thinking to get to a better outcome, so I think the orchestration has been a good, uh, strong learning for me. And then, obviously, this productitis that that is plaguing our our thinking. The fact that we've named it, Scott, to your benefit, that we're talking about it, that we're challenging that perspective, I think is critical. Because if I think about Jason's point about co-creating, you know, there's that old expression, "No man steps into the same river twice." where it's not the same river and he's not the same man. Everything is changing every day. So no seller co-creates the same value twice. Yeah. And so you, ha- you have to be in an environment that can handle the pace of change. We like to think of that as an ecosystem, the platform, and then has the content from IDC to accommodate the buyer's perspective, which is what we have to design around, their experience, their value. You bring those two worlds together, a living, breathing environment and world-class content, and you're going to help good people do really good work and, and be more successful in the profession of sales.
2: Awesome. So as a segue to our wrap up, here's the mental image that I've got. Um, so we have this disease, productitis, and in order to treat it, it's, it's acute. It could be deathly. Um, it, it could be fatal to some companies if they have it, uh, have it too much. Um, and we, have, we can definitely back that up. But the way that I see it is it's such a complex disease that we need a lot of specialists working together. So I have this mental image of um, I'm Dr. Santucci. We've got Dr. Qu- Dr. Quinn and Dr. Uh, Cunliffe. How do we start m- sharing our notes, uh, sharing our perspectives here so we're just not treating the area of our specia- speciality but we're actually making the whole patient better. So uh, if that's a metaphor that resonates with you guys, I'd like to find more ways that we can do more of these calls to help make the value come more clear. Uh, To put you guys on the spot, would you be willing to do more podcasts like this for us and our listeners?
3: Absolutely. Sure.
2: Excellent. Well, I like Jason's enthusiasm more than yours, Chad.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That was sure with a broad smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't
2: see that on a, on a podcast. <laughs> okay. Now, with that, we're, uh, so we've talked about orchestrators. So, so, Chad, you really set us up here. Uh, Brian, as, as you know, um, uh, and our listeners know, we've taken a real leadership on, a role on our, on our podcast to really carve out what an orchestrator means. And one of the things that we've developed are some criteria. So, Brian, why don't you uh, highlight some of the takeaways? For our orchestrators to be, how they can uh, process what we shared.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and appreciate it. And I think the first takeaway is, you know, Dr. Santucci calling Dr. Quinn out about his lack of enthusiasm.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chad, he's like super enthusiastic. I felt kind of like,
0: oh, man.
1: Also, I'll just be upfront, you know. Um, we we used a a lot of analogies on this. And this is an interesting one because when you talk about value and having to bring it to life or make it concrete, you have to tell these stories, right? So this is probably the the most analogies we've used in one podcast, but there's a reason for that. And uh, that's to to Chad's point that, you know, simple, simple is hard. And And he's borrowing from Scott on that. The sales is simple, simple is hard. And Um, One of the the key things that you guys talked about in the beginning was sometimes people don't even have the language and it can be intimidating. So just having this conversation hopefully removes some of the mystery and also recognize it for what it is, Um, which I love the whole ice analogy tying back to that. We're in a transit transition state. So with that said, I I use the criteria of an orchestrator and I just want to share what, Uh, I heard first, this idea of being stuck in the ice, you know, Jason, you said that at the beginning uh, that sales and marketing need to make some movement here. And that, that movement comes from having empathy for buyers that that aligns to the orchestrator attribute of unlocking energy and creating momentum. If you're stuck in the ice, you've got to create the uh, energy. You've got to unlock that energy and create momentum. The second thing is from Chad, what you said about working between the two functions to ensure that market awareness comes together in one integrated view, you know, that's, that's about catalyzing change. As, as somebody that called out on an on earlier podcast, that idea of working together um, came to, and you guys talked about it here, co-creating together. When a company is not set up to do that, that's a lot of collaboration and change, which is a, another pillar of our orchestration attributes. The third thing is, is content's for helping create a conversation. It's not the, about the end-all, be-all. It's it's and it's shifting from the beginning of the funnel or the front of the funnel to the, to the middle of the funnel, I would say. Um, and, and that means understanding what the purpose is of the content. Focus on the mission and goals would be the orchestrator attribute there to move uh, from marketing to using it in actual sales conversations. What's the purpose of an ROI calculator, for example? What's its goal? The last two that I have is guiding the narrative by confronting reality. That's, that's a lot of what we did here. And if you go back and listen, which I highly encourage you to do, this idea of delivering value-added experiences to customers when people don't even know what an experience is, uh, but they, they can they know it when they see it. And also from the beginning of the show, we talked about, and Chad brought up, value is always subjective. It's relative. If you're stuck in the ice, being value, you know, what's the value there? Versus if you're under a boiling condition, what's value there, for example? And the last piece is outside in versus inside out. You've got to drive results by design, not effort. And I think what you've got here on this podcast is the ultimate, you know, mixing together here. Maybe we're moving from a Reese's peanut butter cup to some sort of chocolate cake. But, you know, what we're talking about here is driving results. There's a platform view of it with ecosystems and then from an idc perspective it's the content but you know our podcast is designed to create a an oven for this conversation to even happen right so we can bake the cake and does that and it's been designed to do that so recognizing what it is listening to the podcast with that lens to say okay this is a bit difficult but how do we move forward and co-create together so those are the six attributes of uh orchestration and being an orchestrator and how those came to life for me today on the podcast i hope it brings this idea of orchestrator to life i want to try to make it concrete you guys have me thinking about okay thanks so much you guys chad jason and, and we're going to take you up on your offer and, and willing enthusiasm there to do another podcast we're going to get that scheduled and on behalf of scott uh, insider nation Thanks for joining. As always, send us your comments and your feedback, and let's engage in this value
0: conversation and figure it out together. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to InsideSE.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request.